Welcome back to Rome Boys. On this episode, we've got a special guest, Sister Mara Grace. How did I not remember that? That's my daughter's name. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Mara Grace? Sister Mar- no, Grace. Uh, maybe someday. <laughs> well, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? So, welcome, Sister. We're blessed to have you. Thanks so much. It's great to be with y'all. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you. So, a little bit about Sister Mara. She is a member of the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. She and four her four siblings grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. And after two years of college in New Hampshire, entered the Nashville Dominicans. Sister professed her final vows in 2013 and is currently serving as the vocation director for her community. Welcome, Sister Mara. Thanks. It's great to be. I'm joining here in Nashville. It's nice and sunny. Um, great to be joining you all from far away. I gotta admit. I gotta admit. When I read your your bio, we have a program, you know, hanging with the saints. And as I was reading it, I was expecting, okay, her parents died of tuberculosis. <laughs> and let's see, what else happened? Tragic happened, you know. Yeah. All the saints we picked, it seems like that's how they. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe was assuming you were saying, obviously, you're still alive, but it's a compliment. Okay. There you go. A, <laughs> a hidden one. But yeah, yeah. yeah, it's true. Like every single one of the saints that we review. Uh, th- their family always dies of tuberculosis, so it's it's you know, or they do or they or they do at a very young age. <laughs> yeah, right, at a very young age. Yeah. Well, God forbid true. that happens to you or your family. But yeah. I was just yeah, you know I just it just hit me as I was reading it. I was like, huh, <laughs> sounds familiar. <laughs> so the, I'm sure you have it down pat like an elevator speech because you're a vocations director. But can you share your vocation story? I'd be happy to. Yeah, I um, it's funny. I actually so I grew up in Kentucky there, and um. I had a Bible belt, and um, so not a lot of, I didn't really know much about the Catholic faith. Um, I, when I was little, actually, my mom did die, and oh. we came into the church at that time. My dad married a Catholic, and so we all became Catholic. I was seven years old, eight years old, I guess, when I when I received my first communion. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, growing up, we were just church hopped, you know, so for me, it was just another church to visit. Um until I got into middle school, high school, some of my friends started challenging me on, mm. well, why do Catholics worship Mary? And I was like, do we? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know like, all those like, So I started getting involved with a youth group at my parish. And uh, there, you know, we do crazy fun things. But as well, I started learning how to pray, um, how to read scripture, what we believed as Catholics. Um, and, and to be honest, it, it wasn't something that like, wow, this is life changing. Um, but it just, it was something that I realized I don't actually have an idea about what I believe and I need to look into this. Like what, what do I believe, (laughs) you know, and what, um, I can't just presume what my parents tell me. I got it. I got to know it for myself. So started to continue to go to this youth group and was invited to go to a retreat, um, and, you know, I really had no idea what that was, but I just knew it was a weekend away from my family. I'm like, that sounds like fun. Um, so went to this retreat at Steubenville Youth Conference there in the summertime. Uh, I was as a sophomore in high school and had a very profound experience um, with the Blessed Sacrament. 
I, I remember pulling up, you know, and I knew maybe 30 Catholics my age. Um, but here I was with like a thousand other kids, you know, that um, were, seemed to be excited to be Catholic. You know, yeah. like, where am I? You can um, feel it. And hearing all these great speakers, and then the climax of, of this of this conference is um, Eucharistic adoration. I mean, they have it throughout the weekend, but on Saturday night, uh, the priest goes around and, and processes with the Blessed Sacrament in front of each high schooler there. And I remember looking around with this happening and seeing people crying and laughing and, and even some like slain in the spirit. But I didn't know what that was. And I remember getting really nervous. <laughs> I was like, what's going to happen to me? You know. <laughs> um, and I think one of the first really genuine prayers I ever prayed was at that um, that evening. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, just please don't like make me look stupid. Like, if you're really real, I just don't want to look foolish in front of my friends here. Um, and so as the priest approached and got, I was like face to face with the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, there was this huge grace. And I just came to know that that, that was truly God. Mm. You know, it's something like beyond a doubt. It was something even more certain than like scientific proofs we had done or, you know, anything that, any kind of knowledge I had before, I knew that that was truly God. Um, and also had this sense that he had a plan for my life, that there was some kind of purpose that I was, I was here to serve. And um, so after that retreat, it just became this, this searching for Lord, like, Lord, what do you want from me? You know, what, what is my purpose? At this point, I have really had no concept of religious life um, besides Sound of Music and Sister Act. You know? So it was not something I was looking into for sure. Um, but I continued to go on retreats like this. And I, I know I would see sisters there, but it was kind of like in the distance. I never talked to any of them. Um, around my junior year of high school, my um, dad actually told me about our community. I was looking for more retreats to go on. And he, he found our website and said there's this retreat in Nashville, which... It's like three hours from where I grew up. And um, it was a place called St. Cecilia, who was my confirmation saint, you know, the sisters of St. Cecilia. And um, and so he's like, I think you should look into it. Now, a convent wasn't my idea of <laughs> retreat. You know, I was thinking <laughs> praise and worship, you know, people my age, whatever. But I guess the Holy Spirit compelled me to, to reach out and call the sisters. Um, and this wasn't like a discernment retreat. It was just a general retreat here at the Mother House. Hmm for young women so i signed up and came um and when i when i i was really nervous actually i remember it in the car with my dad and like the butterflies were they weren't just my stomach they're like in my throat you know i was so <laughs> nervous like what's this gonna be like and we pulled up um on the property here you, you kind of go around this drive to get to the front of the house i remember turning the the um, curve and seeing this whole field full of sisters in full habit um playing soccer <laughs> I was like, this is going to be different than I was imagining, you know. Um, and so the retreat was just beautiful. I remember, uh, yeah, just getting to talk with different sisters and just being so struck by the joy that I experienced here. Um, there was a sense of, like, these, these women were just on fire and alive with the Spirit. And um, they they each were so different, you know, all different personalities, all different gifts. But everyone was so free, you know, had this freedom that I was looking for. Um so after that retreat, I was, I was, you know, told my parents, well, I don't have a vocation, but if I ever did, I'd be National Dominican. <laughs> I was free on that. Um, but as I continue to grow deeper in the faith and, and really learn, um, like enter more deeply into the relationship with the Lord, there was just this tug to keep going back <laughs> to, the, to the mother house. 
And I think my senior year, I visited at least five or six times, you know, just would go for the day. And I didn't realize that's not that normal. You know, usually people come once or twice and then (laughs) enter. But I was like, I'm just hanging out with the sisters, you know. (laughs) It wasn't really like a discernment thing um, at that point. But, But there was something drawing me back. So my senior year, you know, everybody's asking me, what are you going to do next year? And at that point, I really did start to pray about my vocation. So now I knew there was this other option um, besides marriage. So there's marriage, religious life. And I, I really saw the beauty of both, you know, and I was attracted to both. Um, and I was really kind of obsessed with that question, like, Lord, which, which is for me? You know, and I kept asking, kept asking, and I wasn't hearing anything. Uh, so I started to get kind of frustrated with the Lord. I was like, fine. I'm not thinking about this for four years. I'm going to go to college and just live life. And then after that, if I'm not seriously dating somebody, I'll know I'm supposed to be a sister. So that's kind of my deal with the Lord. Um, <laughs> so I chose to go to a, a Catholic school where I could learn the faith and just enter into the, the sacramental life of the church. Um, and so I started going to daily mass and daily time of, of prayer with the Lord in silence. Um, and that really was so life-changing because um, – I came to know the Lord you know, more deeply and then to also know myself in Him. And it took all this pressure off of me to try to like figure everything out. It just gave me this freedom just to be with Him. And uh, so after my, during my sophomore year of, of college, you know, I was, I was loving everything. My great friends, it's a great school, all, the, all things were going well, but I was so restless. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, I was everything... I tried. It was like still not bringing peace. I was in this relationship. I, I realized, well, maybe that's what needs to change. I broke off that relationship and just still this rest- restlessness. So what do you do? You transfer schools. So that was my plan. I was going to transfer. <laughs> um, actually, I was going to transfer Benedictine. As you mentioned your wife in there, Tony. So I was, that was my plan and um, came home for the summer. And all of a sudden, like, I guess it wasn't all of a sudden, but pretty, pretty consistently, the religious life kept coming up. Um, I would be in prayer and like, I would think about the sisters or, um, I remember I was going to daily mass back in Lexington, Kentucky. I think I was the only one under the age of like 50 going to daily mass. You know? So everybody was asking, are you going to be a sister? I'm like, stop asking me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'd get a brochure and the sisters would be so excited. And I was kind of, that's an inordinate reaction to that, you know? So I started to see like, Lord, I'm not doing anything to make this happen. Are you inviting me to look into this again? And so I, I took that leap of faith and decided to go back and visit once more um, to the sisters in Nashville. And when I got to the mother house, um, it was the same mother house, the same sisters, the same life, but I could see my heart was different. Mm. And I desired this more than anything else. Um, and had this grace to really um, experience the Lord inviting me to take a step forward in entering the community which was shocking to me because I was like, you know, well, if you're calling me this, why don't you, you know, shouldn't I finish college and save the sisters some money here? You know, why wouldn't you have asked me after high school? It didn't seem like the right timing, you know, right after my sophomore year of college. But everything just kind of seemed like it was the right timing at the same time. So according to human wisdom, it seemed crazy. But according to the divine wisdom, all I could do was say yes. And so... I took that leap of faith. It was June. Usually our sisters, we enter in August. So it was kind of a fast turnaround. So I, I made this act of faith. I said, Lord, if this is what you want. You got to open the doors, you know, and, and he did. I mean, he flung that wide open. It was incredible. It just, the whole thing undergird with peace, you know, 
So um, yeah, I entered that summer in 2006 and um, never looked back. The, the, oh, that's awesome. Uh, to see how the Lord put all those things in my life to, to lead me to this vocation. Wow. Yeah, you crack cool. that door, crack that door open and Jesus yeah, will kick it in. Painted a really good picture. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Beautiful yeah. story. Yes, yes. Following, I was following you in your life the whole way. Like, I was <laughs> like a fly on the wall. Yeah. I love to get Tell me more. Keep going. Yeah. 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 John Maxwell said, uh, it, how do you know if you're a servant leader? And, it's how you respond to it when someone treats you like one. Hmm. And so I, I found that very compelling. And I was just reading this on a, on a flight yesterday. Uh, and to, uh, to actually hear your story, it's a response to God calling you to be a servant. And your response is, it, it's how, that's how you know that you, you are actually a leader in the faith, yet you're following. And, and I hope I'm making that hmm. connection clear. But it's just awesome to see you live it out in, in, a, in a very natural way. I mean, you were struggling through, is this the right way to go or not? Yeah, radical, <laughs> the radical yes to just say, I'm all in. <laughs> but it's so easy because you said you struggled, there wasn't peace, and then there's the peace. And then God answers our prayer that way. And then, yep. you, like you said, you don't look back. It's so beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's funny you mentioned that word radical because I think throughout my whole discernment, that was a word that kept coming back to mm. me, this desire to do something radical. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my older brother, actually, I, did, I left this out. You know, there's so many different things, as you all know in your own stories, that the Lord uses to draw us to himself. But my older brother actually entered seminary when I was 16. Okay. So this whole time when I was kind of having a reconversion, he had entered seminary, and uh, I was shocked. I was like, oh, no, he can't get a girlfriend. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just had no understanding of it, you know, vocation or anything. Um, but he entered a religious order, and his novitiate was in Germany. Hmm. So I remember going for his first profession, and I don't know any German, um, so I didn't understand any of the words that were being said during the Mass. But I understood so clearly a gesture that was made that the young men that were professing their vows, before they profess those vows, they lay prostrate mm-hmm. on the sanctuary right before the altar. You've probably you know, seen this at ordinations. And, and that gesture spoke so loudly to me. And I remember going back to my hotel room and, and journaling and praying with the Lord and said, I want to do something radical in mm-hmm. my life. You know, and so, yeah, when you mentioned that, it just comes back this, um, I think we all have this desire for greatness. You know, it's how the Lord has has built our hearts, you know, to yes. desire great things because we're called to greatness. Um, and and each of us, whatever vocation we have, like that's that's our path to true greatness, to, to be that radical self-gift. Because uh, every vocation is that laying out of your life for another. As you all know, as husbands and dads, like it's, it's a daily gift of self, um, but that's where we find ourselves, and that's where we find joy in life. Absolutely. Is it hard to be a sister? I mean, what are the struggles that you have and just the everyday? Everybody thinks, I mean, you're smiling all the time, and you're joyful. We see that, which is awesome, but at the same time, it's, there's a cross. It's a struggle, yeah. and, like, and a lot of people think it's just really easy to be a sister. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I remember making a pro-con list between marriage and religious life when I was discerning, and I came to the conclusion that it's easier to be a sister, so I must be called a marriage. <laughs> but I, yeah, as you said, we're all called to carry the cross in our in our discipleship. So yeah, there's going to be challenging things. Um, I think, you know, whatever, like as a sister, um, there are so many joys that I find in, in daily life. But at the same time, there's there's a lot of ordinariness too, you know, like, you, and I think maybe you found this in your own vocation that 
we can kind of glorify it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll die of tuberculosis. And, you know, do great <laughs> things for the Lord. Um, but actually, like, he calls us to this fidelity in the ordinary a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a challenge because you're like, okay, yeah, I've, you know, when I, for example, I was um, sent to Ireland to serve there for as one of our missions. Um, and it was wonderful. You know, we started the mission over there, all kinds of exciting things. And then after a couple of years, you're like, okay, yeah, we're doing the same things. And, <laughs> you know, like that kind of nudist that went off. But at the same time, like if I'm really faithful in my life, if I'm really entering deeply into this with the Lord, he gives me eyes to see him even in the ordinary. Mm. So that doesn't have to be a cross I carry. You know, it can be like, wow, look at look at how, you know, in, in this um, writing these emails, like what the Lord is doing in these women's lives or um, marveling at, gosh, look at the beauty of these buds on these new trees. Spring is coming. You know, he, yeah. he lets us attune ourselves to the extraordinary, even in the ordinary. I, um, I, I would just like to reflect that I, I understand that uh, to the fullest because uh, when it's, when things, when we want things to be radical or, or abnormal or uh, not in the ordinary, it, for me, it seems like I start looking inward at how I'm making an impact on the world as opposed to how the world's making an impact on me in, from God's hand. Mm. You know, like you said, a bud on a tree. Like, well, what does that have to do with me? No, it's not about me. It's about God's wonderful creation. You know, it turns it around. Mm. And I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. I think the other, other thing that in the ordinary can be difficult is... Um, but also a great joy. You know, every I think every cross also is a, is our salvation. Mm. Um, but you know, living in community life, I think that's something that comes up often. People are like, "Do you all fight?" You know, they see like <laughs> I live with three hundred other women. Like, yeah. what is that like? You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we the have fight is, night like, on Wednesday nights, and uh, <laughs> we put on the boxing gloves and work out all your frustrations. <laughs> the friars i'm not sure but um, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah so we yeah we're we're human beings sinful weak whatever um and and in the process of becoming saints so we're not perfect and actually thank god you know thank god we're yeah. not because it shows his, his his marvels like we can marvel at his power that he can work through these sinful weak instruments um, so community life, there can be times where we rub each other, you know, especially you're living on a mission with maybe three or four other sisters, and that's who you see every day for a year. Um, you can start to rub on each other, just like in family life, you know, and I, I've heard some compare it to a rock tumbler, you know, you put those really rough rocks and rub them together in the sand, but what happens, they, they become smooth and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so our community life, yeah, it, it can rub us. Actually, it, it's what helps to form us to become saints. Interesting. Um, when you said you saw this, the Habited Sisters playing soccer, and it was kind of your first experience, I, I remember what you said, which was all different personalities, all different gifts. And so I kind of got a, a foretaste of what you're saying now, you know, mm-hmm. in that like, yeah. yeah, we're just all different personalities, you know, mm-hmm. just yes. meshed together. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And there's a very clear like realization that, wow, I'm helping her become a saint because I'm so weak, you know? Like she is, she's growing in sanctity because yeah, of me. What a, what a gift. Help. You know? <laughs> I'm here to help you. Yeah. 
<laughs> our, our children help us grow in patience, yeah. you know, by <laughs> testing it. Yeah. 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 The rock tumbler analogy is great when two kids are fighting in the house, right? Oh, You're like, yeah. oh, that's what they're doing. They're smoothing each other out. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So these are, these are your individual personalities. What about the unity of the Dominican way? Yeah, yeah, the Dominican way. So Dominicans were founded back in the, the 1200s. So uh, been around for about eight, over 800 years now. And when St. Dominic was living, he, um, he was a canon regular in, in Spain. So uh, meaning he was part of this group that would stay at the cathedral there and pray and preach. But he was on a preaching expedition through southern France and encountered this heresy that said, um, that, that they believed the, that anything of the flesh or corporal was was evil, and only the spirit was good, and so this led to all kinds of false practice, like um, like glorified, like kind of putting down marriage, you know, because you're you're making new things that are in flesh, you know, and fleshing these souls. Um, but even so far as like doctrinally to really be in, in heresy that Christ could not have taken on human flesh because it's a which. Heresy, right? You know, yeah. um, God became true God, true man. Jesus became true God, true man. So Dominic saw all these people leaving the true church and leaving Christ. And so he had this zeal to to preach the truth for the salvation of souls, to bring them to the truths of the faith and go out and do that instead of just staying in the church, waiting for people to come there. Yeah. We've got to go out and proclaim this good news. Um, and it's not just through, like, of course, through teaching theology and philosophy, but but wherever truth can be found, you know, so the sciences and mathematics and um, the liberal arts, all these ways, wherever we can um, help people encounter truth, they will eventually encounter the truth himself, you know, be open to that, that truth of Jesus Christ. So this is like the Dominican charism mm -hmm. to go out and preach for the salvation of souls. Um, now, and Dominic knew that this is not possible unless we're rooted firmly in Christ. And so the Dominican life is both, um, has a very contemplative dimension as well as its very active dimension. So um, as Dominican sisters, we have a lot of monastic practices. And what that means are like, if you think of St. Benedict and Benedictine monks, you know, they'd have times and places of silence or the, the choral recitation of, off, of the divine office, you know, where we chant back and forth. Um, a very rigorous um, liturgical life. So Dominic took what's good from that tradition, incorporated that into our own life. So we have times and places of silence here at the convent. Um, we have we chant the office. We eat our meals in silence while something is read to us. All these ways are um, forming in us this disposition to be open to the Lord, to, to contemplate. So one of one of the order, mottos of our order is to contemplate and then give to others the fruits of the contemplation. So for the Dominican, we are formed in the chapel, in the refectory, where we eat, in our places of science, in our bedrooms, in our cell. But we're compelled to go out and, and share that, that we have encountered, um, the one we have encountered. And so for our community, we do that through teaching in Catholic schools. So we um, serve in schools, children ages three all the way through university, um, and teach a variety of subjects. It's, it's certainly teaching religion and, and catechesis and forming um, children in the faith, but but also wherever truth is found, um, engaging there so that uh, people can be opened to truth himself. So that's kind of the, the unity of our life, this very contemplative dimension, and then an apostolic. Um, and of course, we do that in community. So we always travel in twos, you know, we live on mission with at least three or more. 
um, because that that is an apostolic life, like way the apostles lived, of going out and preaching, um, but doing two by two as a witness to this this joy of community living. Um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you think of the whole stereotype of nuns. You know, growing up, the stereotype was nuns are grumpy. They're mean. <laughs> you know, I still have scars on my knuckles from when the sister in my second grade would hit me with a ruler. You know, you just have that stereotype that's built into us that these women are mean, they're tough, and they're grumpy, you know. But through this, you've no. got so much joy on your <laughs> <Yeah>. face. <laughs> the smile just lights up the room, and it's just like, this is not what you would normally think of when you hear about a nun. And I, I got, to, got to thinking about it. Maybe they're so grumpy because they hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, they hang out with students, so. Yeah, yeah. so I was sitting there going, I threw that one out the window, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of joy in, in this life. And I think because it's it's a response to an invitation to love, mm. you know, and when we know we're loved, mm. um, you can't help but be joyful. And so I think um, certainly in my own discernment, but I, I know in hearing stories of other sisters that there's no other reason we'd, we'd enter to the convent, that we'd choose this life except for Jesus alone, you know, that he invited us, that he, we encountered his love and responded in love to that. So I think, yeah, I, I mean, I know when I encounter a lot of different, we, as vocation director, I travel around to different universities and um, for different schools, and I'll, everyone will say that, like, how are you so joyful? And <laughs> as Christians, we're called to that joy. You know, yes, it's, it's yes. the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so I think, um, praise God, he's, he's given that and manifested it. Um, in our in our community and in other religious that I know, you know, and and other lay people too. I think we we increase one another's joy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a great sense of that after Vatican II, that renewal and universal call to holiness, mm-hmm. and I'd say universal call to joy. Yes. <laughs> um, yep. I, I've always said it. Just about every talk I've ever given, uh, especially with men, and I'm, I know it's it's true for everyone, but the hardest thing we have to do in the world is to simply accept that we're loved because when you do you have a radical formation mm. uh, and it's just crazy to think that it's that simple I mean when you look at a crucifix just accept that if you'll accept that everything changes and even as far as a discernment I mean if you don't know you're loved how can you properly discern where God's calling you yeah. so it's foundational yeah. it needs to be like one of the forefront things that we preach you know, we explain to yeah. others that's so true. And I, I think when I always work with young women who are open to religious life, I mean, it's it's astounding how many are like seeking what the Lord wants, which is so beautiful. I think a testament to this new evangelization in the U.S. that it's just really caught fire, you know, and young people are open and, and wanting to do something radical with their life. Um, but a lot of times what I encounter is this initial fear of well, what if I make a mistake or what if, you know, what if I don't hear the Lord? And the only the only solution to that is to step back actually and encounter the Lord's love mm. and realize that He is trustworthy, you know, and He's not leading me on this blind mission and saying, "Good luck, I hope you find your vocation." Yeah. You know, yeah. He's with me, and He's He's um, leading me actually through through the dwelling of the Trinity inside. You know that He's leading me in His will, so I can I can rest in that and trust that He's not going to lead me astray. Um, so, yeah, I think that's one common fear of people, like, what if I do this wrong? But mm-hmm. well, I he's a, with us. I got a question. Is what, what advice would you give to, say, young girls who are in that process right now of trying to figure out what their vocation is and 
if they are being called to the religion. Or even the people that, what's the point? The people that kind of doubt, well, you know, what's the point in becoming a religious sister? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd say, you know, the Dominican principle, contemplate, give to others the fruits. I think that applies to discernment too. Like first, you must be so rooted in God. Um, when we have an encounter with the Lord, it changes us, you know, as I've experienced this. I'm, no doubt you all probably have experienced this. This encounter changes us. And it's usually a gradual transformation over time. But what it starts doing, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Mm. So that that encounter with the Lord, um, and I'd say for, for those discerning, and even those not discerning, like, you can tell what our priorities are based on our schedule. So scheduling mm. time to be with the Lord, you know, and just time of silence with him. Um, there's that story of the, the curia of ours saw this, you know, peasant um, in his church who would just spend hours and hours in adoration. And he asked the, the peasant, he said, what do you, what do you pray? And what do you talk about when you're talk when you're in adoration? What do you say to the Lord? You know, what is your prayer like? And the, the response was, he gazes at me and I gaze at him. Hmm. And I think like, what, what a profound statement, you know, that that's, Talk about receiving the love of the Lord. You know, like that shows us our poverty. Like everything I have is yours. You know, everything I am has been a gift. Um, and so just to be with you is enough, you know. Um, like we don't have to perfect ourselves. He's perfecting us. Mm. So I think for those people that are, are discerning to, to kind of follow the Lord, you know, don't don't try to grasp and lead it. And um, for those that aren't even like, that are saying, what's the point? I, I think... Read the lives of the saints, you know, married and, and religious and priests. I mean, you'll see that they're in following the Lord, we find true joy, true happiness. Um, so I think, yeah, like spending that time with him. And then if there's that nudge towards priesthood, religious life, go see, you know, wait, I, I, and feel like surround yourselves with good, holy, married couples. Like, what is, what are these vocations? Um to see, get a sense of what what actually is this life, and is this the means that the Lord is going to call me to holiness? Um, I remember doing a novena to Saint Therese. You know, I don't know if guys do this too, but I know a lot of girls who do this. And you ask for certain rose colors. You know, like when I was going to transfer schools, I remember praying this novena, and I was like, okay, if I'm supposed to stay at a school, I want a white rose, and if I'm supposed to transfer, I want a red rose. Okay, so I was faithful nine days, prayed this. And on the ninth day, I walk into the um, like student center where our mailboxes are, and I'm overcome with this rose fragrance. Oh my gosh, it's Therese, you know. <laughs> and so I'm looking around, and the rose is in my mailbox. I couldn't believe it. There was a rose right there, and it was pink. Oh, ah! I was like, okay, last time I talked to you, say Therese, you know. But like, we look for these kinds of signs. Um, but really, when we're discerning our vocation, the more sure signs are. Could I be happy here? You know, um, is does this this person or this community like is this going to make me a saint? Um, am I more alive when I am living this life or with this person? And those are actually more certain signs than rose colors. You know, um, so I think just to to if there is a tug towards religious life, just go live the life with the sisters and see is this make me happy? If not. Right, you know, close the doors to that that particular community, or um, so. Yeah, I think not being afraid to take a step is really important as well. 
Yeah, like you said, go and visit. My wife did a bunch of nun runs, and she still takes girls on nun runs. So we want to encourage people, visit the National Dominicans and other religious orders. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Well, if anything, if you end up becoming married anyway, at least you can say, I looked at it, I tried it, and, and I wasn't called there. And you so. can encourage others to say, we need to be open to this. Because I yeah. think a lot of people aren't open. They're, they're not aware. Like, oh, I'm just going to get married. At least around here, it seems like everybody's going to get married. Have you thought about religious life? Have you yeah. thought about the priesthood? Yeah. Like, these are options we need to consider, yeah. I remember being afraid, like, I'd get kidnapped, you know, if I visited. Like, oh, no, <laughs> they're, like, desperate for vocations. I see all the numbers. Like, they're going to kidnap me, you know? <laughs> but, um, no, I'm, I'm telling you right now, we're here to help you find your vocation, mm. you know? <laughs> um, so the community is also discerning, and I think that's really helpful to know mm. that it's not just me trying to do this on my own, like, First, the Holy Spirit's with you, but the community is also discerning. This person seemed to have the seeds of the charism of our community. Mm. Um, so I think that gives a lot of freedom too. That mm -hmm. you're not you're not alone. Mm -hmm. no. I, well, we're all called to help each other to heaven, and so I think just asking the question to those around us, you know, mm -hmm. is is maybe they've never been asked before. I mean, we were just on a retreat, and there was I was just overcome with this uh, message to go to this young man. Uh, to say, have you ever thought about becoming a deacon? Because it's written all over you. I don't know if you mm -hmm. see it, but I do, and I don't know why, but I just have to share this with you. Yeah, that personal invite, I got an email this week, the Net Ministries, we have them come to our parish, and they said the number one reason why people become Net Ministers, you know, for a year is because someone invited them. So, <laughs> with their religious life or whatever it may be, yeah, we need to ask. And so, yeah, yeah. This, this is absolutely not just an opportunity for um, our viewers to get to, to know you, but it is an invite yeah. to everyone to, to know that you're there because I think a lot of people may just simply have fear of the unknown, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Where fear keeps coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that from, right? You know, yep. Not yep. from God. Well, it's from the unknown as well. So mm -hmm. I'm going to throw a practical question out there because I think this way, and some other people may also, how do you keep the lights on? You know, what, what do y'all do to, and how can we help to yeah. keep your lights on, keep the food on the yeah. table? I mean, what do y'all do for uh, just your monetary means? Because, you know, you're trying to be of, where you don't want to be of the world, but we have to live in it. Right. That's right. That's right. And I think for a Dominican, a huge expense for us is our education. So we're, we're very blessed. We have a college here in Nashville. We run and operate. Um, and so we're we're able to um, have women enter even without a college degree. Mm -hmm. So we're able to educate them ourselves. But And then we do graduate studies and all this. So there are some big expenses that a lot of people wonder about, like, how do you do this? Um, we do get teaching stipends for our sisters in, in the schools, which is a help. Um, but it's certainly not enough to cover our expenses. So we, we do rely heavily on, on generous benefactors. And we're so blessed that, you know, we're very aware that we can't live this life without our benefactors. Um, and I certainly St. Dominic kind of started this, or a similar, same time as St. Francis, mm -hmm. they started these mendicant orders that would go around and ask for help. And so um, part of the, the poverty that we experience is that real awareness that we, we can't do this on our own. And we do have to, um, you know, ask for help. So just I find think we... we Find a bunch of Elizabeth Ann Seaton's, you yeah. know, and then just say, join us. <laughs> Your parents will love us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we certainly are so so blessed to have a roof overhead and, um, and are provided for our needs. You know, I think we live very simply as um, sisters. One of the vows we take is poverty. And um, we're very, very 
careful to see that we're living, you know, simply. And um, it, when I think one of the, the poverties that pinches a lot, actually, is we, we share cars. Mm. And so going to school, you know, if you tend to be one that runs late. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're always like, oh, man, they're waiting for me, you know. And so I think, like, it's good to feel these these pinches in our life because certainly we do have food on the table every day. And we have, you know, a roof over our head and we're, we're taken care of. Um, but it's a good reminder that, yeah, we're dependent first and foremost on the Lord, but also on our generous benefactors to, mm. to care for our needs. So I'll, I feel like we as, as Christians all have one common goal to, you know, uh, to show Christ to the world, right? So thanks for taking the vow of poverty and yes. thanks for taking on that, as you said, that, that pinch uh, because we all have our different station in life. And so I, I know it's difficult in many, you know, uh, uh, temporal ways, but thanks for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a joy. And, you know, I think, I think it causes some creativity, too. You know, like, yeah, um, yeah the parties we have, I'm like, you could, you, would, you would tell people this, and they're like, what? You know, but like, the simple things we do, it, it just brings so much joy and creativity. And, um, yeah, the, the, the Lord is so good. Um, the, best, the best times we've, I've ever had as a child, like my greatest memories, and for our kids as well, is when the power goes out. <laughs> right <laughs> we have a candle and a board game and it's like this is the greatest night ever and then the power comes on and my kids are like oh <laughs> don't worry kids i know where the breaker's at trying to do that one time just go turn the breakers off oh no the power's off <laughs> what are we gonna do we have to save money <laughs> thanks for everything this has been awesome yeah, i've enjoyed yeah. it greatly so oh me too Absolutely. it's great chatting with y'all so where can our viewers find more about you or the, where's your donate page you know <laughs> you can check out our website it's nashvilledominican.org um and we there's information there for those discerning for those who want to kind of join our mission by monetary donations all, all kinds of information and then Resources for your own prayer life. If you're interested in different Dominican saints, there's um, a lot of resources there on our website. Um, there's also a new video we just put out called Undivided Heart, mm. and it just gives you a little glimpse into our life. So you're welcome to click on that on our website. Um, we, we, well, interesting, it's Undivided Heart, because mm. we were having a conversation on the way over here mm. where uh, someone was asking, like, what, you know, we asked a, maybe a challenging question. Uh, and I hope it didn't rub you wrong, but like someone asked, you know, what is the point of being a sister and being, uh, you know, outside of the world in that realm, maybe? Uh, <clears throat> and it just reminds me of Paul. Uh, your your heart is divided if you get married, right? And so it's awesome that you just, it's all just in. all in. Mm -hmm. Focus. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's great. Totally his. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And if a young lady yeah. is interested in discerning, can they, how do they contact you and... Uh yeah, so um, my contact details are there on the website. There's okay. a phone number and an email address. They'd be welcome to, to reach out to me. Great. We have different retreats here that um, they can know more about those on our website. Um, and then we also, I forgot to mention, we have a YouTube channel. So you can check that out uh, with different videos by our sisters. Some patient stories, which are always fun to hear. Yeah. Um, so and uh, there's also other versions of the Undivided Heart there on the YouTube page. Awesome. That's great. Well, I have six daughters, so this has been very joyful for me. So. <laughs> uh, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, so it's exciting. So, uh, Sister Mara, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. This has oh, been truly welcome. a blessing for us. Absolutely. Please pray for us and thank our listeners, too. Please. For sure. For mm -hmm. sure. You will definitely be in my prayers. Thank awesome. You. Thank, you so thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Well, in the meantime, be bold. Be real. Be Catholic. God, God bless. bless.